It's a little-known fact that Cheerscast is a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Uh, you know, I, I know you want this job pretty bad. You think that's the way to go about it? I have to agree, Norman. This just isn't you talking. You're not the ruthless, cutthroat, aggressive type. I don't know where you guys got the idea that I'm just some passive, easygoing lump. <laughs> Norm, if your buns didn't fall asleep, you'd never get off the bar stool. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and joining me once again is the husband and wife duo behind the Married with Cartoons podcast, the Rod Pod, and Transformers Chronicles on the Longbox Crusade Network. Please welcome Maggie and Jonathan Schaefer Hames. I gave Maggie the top billing this time. What's up, kids? <laughs> I should get top billing. I'm the girl. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for having us on again, Ryan. Happy to be here. Yeah. Thank Hi, Ryan. How you doing? Thank you so much. Uh, haven't had you guys. You haven't been on since the third season finale, uh, which was great. Uh, but that means we haven't really talked about Woody. <laughs> like this is Woody's debut season. So just before we get into this episode, big picture thoughts about the character of Woody and what do you think of him as the replacement for Coach so far? I think Woody Harrelson makes a wonderful replacement for Coach because he, he has a similar kind of innocence to him that Coach had, the same kind of goofy humor, and yet it's still it's still different. Um, and he certainly has his own, you know, delivery and his, his kind of his own mannerisms and all that stuff. But I think Woody's absolutely charming. Um, and as the show progresses, he just gets more and more adorable. What I've found uh, most interesting this time around watching it is how the characters treat Woody as opposed to how they treated Coach, especially at the beginning. They get a lot more frustrated with him. I've noticed not you don't see it so much yet, but I think we're going to get we've seen it a little bit where Diane had to take him aside. We'll <laughs> we see it in this episode, actually. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, with coach, coach would say whatever nonsense he'd say and everybody would be like that just coach. And I think w- with Woody, it's more of a did he just say that <laughs> sort of thing? Does he really not know what that is or is he just, you know, pulling our leg? No, he genuinely does not know what that means. <laughs> Maybe there was a little bit more treating Coach with kid gloves. He was just the... Well, I, I wonder, maybe because Coach was older, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Woody's very young, and so people just kind of get a little more frustrated with him. What I like is that the character was named Woody before Woody Harrelson showed up. Yeah. They had written a character named Woody, which, <laughs> and I wonder how that factored into him getting the role. This must have been early in Woody Harrelson's career. Was this like his first big break? Oh, yeah. on, on, in terms of being on screen, yes. Um, I, I don't know how he came, if it was just a blind casting call or if like he, he had been on stage or something and one of the showrunners or something at NBC saw him. I don't know exactly how that came about. But yeah, this was like his debut on screen was the show. Basically, he, he came aboard, yeah. It certainly launched him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's funny to see here you talk about his innocence at the time. I was like, boy, if you knew where he where he would go personally in this. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> anyway, uh, we are talking about season four, episode eighteen, "The Peterson Principle." This episode is written by Peter Casey and David Lee, directed by Jim Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, February thirteenth. 1986. Frazier shows the gang slides from he and Diane's trip to Europe, but in doing so only reveals his still all-too-present infatuation with Diane. 
Sam takes pity on Fraser for like the fifth time this season, I think, and takes him out to meet some women. Meanwhile, Norm is eagerly waiting to find out if he's getting a new promotion at work that Vera is unusually excited about. One of Norm's co-workers assures him that the job is his and lets slip that Norm's competition is sleeping with the boss's wife. Norm debates whether to reveal this information to his boss, Mr. Reinhardt, in order to secure his promotion. Cliff supports this idea, but Diane argues against the ethics of it. Carla, too, is surprisingly against Norm telling the boss, but only because she doesn't like snitches. Mr. Reinhardt comes to cheers to see Norm, because apparently everyone in Boston knows this is the place to find him, and lets him know that he did not, in fact, get the promotion. Like the proverbial angel and devil on Norm's shoulders, Diane and Cliff try to sway him to or against telling Reinhardt about his wife's infidelity. Norm keeps his mouth shut, but demands to know why he didn't get the job. Reinhardt confesses that it was Vera, actually, who cost him the job because the other corporate wives didn't think she fit in with their clique. Norm is so outraged that he quits. He calls Vera and lies about the reason he didn't get the promotion, putting the blame on himself and telling her how much he loves her. Rather than go home to his wife, though, he sticks around for another beer. Alright guys, John, what did you think of this episode, The Peterson Principle? Well, when I was getting ready to watch it again, I had remembered it as one that I thought was just kind of okay. There wasn't anything about it. But then actually watching it, it has some of the funniest lines in the entire run of the series. But I don't think it holds together that well as one of the great episodes. You know, less of the sum of its parts. But it's definitely an enjoyable one to watch. Yeah, I, I kind of was the same way because John and I watched all the way through Cheers a while back, and I, this one didn't stand out in my memory too much. Some of the lines did. Um, well, I'm sure I'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, upon a rewatch, I mean, me being a very reluctant fan of Cheers, uh, I was like, it's, it's an all right episode. I do like some of the one-liners, but there's things in the episode I didn't much care for. Not a lot, but you know, it was it was middle of the road for me. Again, I whenever we come to episodes that focus on Norm or Cliff or Carla, I tend to think, all right, these probably won't be the strongest episodes. I think a lot of the Norm episodes kind of tend to be a little bit repetitive. There's problems with his job, and maybe he has some moral dilemma about whether he should be truthful or not, or mm-hmm. there's something going on with Vera, some kind of infidelity. Maybe then we, I felt like we've done this already this season. So, but when I get to these episodes, they, I'm always like not expecting much, and then surprisingly, like that was funnier than I thought. And and I agree that this one does have some really good, really good moments. But yeah, it's a little bit. maybe just structurally a little bit off-center because it seems like it's... The beginning seems like it's going to be very Frasier-heavy and him still coming back, like, still doing the hung up on Diane, even though, like, twice now we've had episodes that are all about him getting over her um, with with the the triangle where he blows up at Sam and Diane in the office and then the one with Lilith and, and Jennifer Tilly just a few... one episode before this. So it feels like, okay, we're, it feels like we're backtracking a little bit with Frazier. But then Sam just kind of whisks him out of there, and they disappear. And it's like the last mm-hmm. half of just is just this Norm plot with Diane and Cliffy kind of playing off of Norm and kind of seeing this 
these, these little beats between Diane and Norm that we don't usually see that I thought were kind of like really special and everything. Yeah, agreed. It, it was strange that the Frasier plot, it seemed to both be a rehash of other stuff, and then it just kind of ended. That he leaves, and you're expecting them to come back, you know, with some sort with of story. With some sort of story or yeah. something, and they don't. Apparently, yeah, I almost think maybe this episode should have come earlier in the season. Mm. I, I think this episode should have come before the triangle or before uh, second time around, which was the one with Lilith and Jennifer Tilly. Like, it, like just kind of because we're still at that repetitive stage where he's still focused mm-hmm. on her. Um, we'll kind of go through it. it. We start. We get a teaser, one of those disconnected teasers, where a very young kid named Vito, which it's always funny to see a, a child <laughs> that age named Vito. Um, <laughs> but he comes in to see Carla, and she's like, oh, you're the boy who wants to take my daughter Anne-Marie on a date. So she's like, so, and she just kind of like very, like, patiently. It's like, where are you taking her? Oh, you're going to go to the movies? What movie? Oh, you, well, 101 Dalmatians. That's a Disney movie. I like that movie. And doing all this friendly kind of mom, you know, feeling out this boy who's going to be taking her daughter on a date. But as she's doing this, she takes out a camera and takes profile shots <laughs> of, you know, from all sides and then ends up taking the, his glass of water putting it in a plastic bag so it can be fingerprinted. <laughs> what did you guys think of the, about that for a teaser? I thought it was a funny little. Uh, I mean, it was cute. It was a nice bit of uh, real Rhea Perlman doing physical comedy. Well, I, I did particularly like when she um, shakes his hand and then just yanks him down the stairs, down the stairs, yeah. just effortlessly. And this poor kid is sitting there going, "What am I going to get to?" <laughs> While she's just talking, flash, flash. Here, hold this to the left, please. Flash. <laughs> what am I signing on to? I was like, yeah. Um, then we go to and then one of the reasons why I thought of YouTube for this one because we, we once we kick off the episode, we get one of these little continuity blemishes between Cheers and Frasier because mm. Frasier comes in with a taxidermist stuffed bird, which that he talks about belonged to his father prior to his father's death. Um, and that has a lot of sentimental value, and it's a great specimen. And he's like, I want you to have it, Sam. And I love that Sam can. He doesn't even get a full excuse out. He's just like, I don't really want that. And, and Frazier's like, yeah, get rid of it. I don't I'll want just it just throw it away. <laughs> just throw it away. <laughs> oh, then toss it then. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I want to know, because we all know, taking this as a full narrative, mm. that there is no way that Martin Crane had an owl named Plato <laughs> that he stuffed. If he had had an owl and it died, he just would have gotten another owl that looked just like it, named it Plato, and it would have, except its tongue wouldn't have stuck out as much. Maw moose. <laughs> yes. But, so I want to know, where did he get this owl? All right, so we're, we're going with the Frasier explanation for like 10 or 12 years from now that <laughs> Frasier's dad didn't die. He was just really mad at him at the time he was <laughs> right. telling Sam that his dad was dead. So where did this owl come from? And why was he bringing it and trying to give it to Sam? <laughs> yeah, uh, handed down from a patient or something like that, or you know, a, a, pro- a professor, somebody else who meant a lot to Fraser, like um, like Bennett Ludlow, his his idol or something like that, gave yeah, it to him, yeah. and he was just like, "This thing is an eyesore. I don't want this in my office either. It looks tacky. <laughs> I don't know." I'll give it to Sam. He'll put it up and put it up in that bar I go to all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, Martin could never own an owl. Uh, <laughs> uh, then Fraser has the slides from his 
trip to uh, to Europe with Diane. He's like, I don't want them. I thought you might want them. So he give it. And Sam is quick to jump. He's like, Hey, you got some? You got a slideshow? I got a projector in the back. We can take a look at him. Um, which seemed like an unusual volunteering from from Sam. Uh, and Diane catches it too because she's like, "You told me that projector was broken when I wanted to show slides of Colombian art." <laughs> well, it, it is broken when you want to show the slides of, of Caribbean art. Colombian, Colombian art. Colombian art. Yeah. So, and I, I love the bit where like Fraser is like going to set up, and he, he passes he passes Cliff, and he's like, "Hey, Cliff, you know, slideshow trip to Europe and everything in five minutes." And Cliff is like, "Hey, wouldn't miss it." And he turns around, and he's like, "That's a major yawn." Like at this point, <laughs> at this point, even Fraser is lower than Cliff on the totem pole that he can jump. Yeah. Yeah. So. that's a good point. He is lower on the totem pole than Cliff. Yes, Cliff, um, famous shower of slides. Yes. Which they do a callback to. They talk about his slides, right. his his Florida slides. Yeah, I love that. He's like, he's like, I, because Norm was like, I would rather see those, and Cliff's like, Hey, I got them in the trunk of my car. And Norm's like, That's a good place for him. <laughs> but this one has one of Norm's most famous entry lines when he comes in. The bar goes Norm, and mm-hmm. they're like, What's going on? He goes, It's a dog eat dog world, and I'm wearing milk bone underwear. I think that is one of the more famous of his uh, of his entry lines. I agree. Uh, the crowd certainly liked it. Yeah, yeah, it got a bigger response. Yeah, a really big response on that. I, that line is up there with um, as God is my witness. I thought <laughs> turkeys could fly as far as famous sitcom lines. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, then you know Norm starts talking about how he's up for this promotion, and surprisingly, Vera is really into the into this. She thinks it's going to be a good thing because he promised her he would like redo the bathroom or, or they'd get a new house or something with a bigger bathroom if he gets this pay raise. And she went out with the other corporate wives to this fancy French restaurant, and now she insists on calling Velveeta fromage. <laughs> um, Diane has this great bit where she starts talking about you know like how. You know, if he just shows the work ethic and the the spirit of the enthusiasm, she just looks at Norman, just kind of trails off, and she's like, "Good luck." <laughs> you know, I kind of do get the impression though that Norm isn't necessarily bad at his job. You know, he, with the exception of spending all of his free time at Cheers, he, the implication here, if he's up for this promotion and it's neck and neck between him and this other guy, is that Norm's probably pretty good at what he does. Well, when the guy, when the other guy comes in, um, mm-hmm. curious, um, the, the first, the first sort of guest star, uh, who is credited as Jeff Robbins in the end credits, but he very specifically says his name is Jeff Warren, and he actually spells it in the show. Mm-hmm. That's uh, uh, the guy is played by Chip. Is it Zion or Zian? I don't know the I, I don't know how the guy's name is pronounced, but he was the voice of Howard the Duck in the 1986 movie. Mm-hmm. No oh. kidding. Yeah, yeah, he was Howard the Random. Duck. Um, and, like, if you look at his IMDb page, he hasn't done that much comparatively, but he has worked consistently from the early 80s until, like, last year. Like, he's been doing stuff just very inconsistently. So maybe more theater or behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, I mean, like they don't have him listed as, like, they don't distinguish his other voice credits, but, yeah, just kind of interesting. It's weird um, you don't, I mean, the guy had a decent enough, you know, he was decent enough delivery and performance and stuff. It's amazing. You didn't, I thought you'd see him more often. Just yeah. almost everybody that pops in, you see. Mm, he's also very short, and that might have worked against him. There's that. Well, 
Mm-hmm. I, think he's a, Hollywood, but, yeah. I think he's about as tall as Rhea Perlman, who was about as tall as the kid who played Vito. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I agree with what Maggie was saying. I think this this episode really kind of solidifies a lot of things in it that I, I think Norm is really good at his job, as you're saying, because when when that guy comes in, you know, he was all the things he was talking. I mean, part of it, it seemed like he was trying to suck up to Norm in case he gets the promotion, you know, to remember him. But I think he was being earnest about, you know, his skills at it. And the fact that his boss comes in to personally tell him he didn't get the job Mm -hmm. would mean that, that he's has some level of prestige there. But I get the idea that this one is that he's good at the job that, but he does not like the job like in any way whatsoever. And I think this kind of prop, and then, well, it leaves him to be perpetually unemployed until he uh, learns how to paint right. later. I, yeah, I mean, if I had to speak glibly, I don't think Norm likes any job. I don't think Norm likes work <laughs> in general, like the concept of it and everything. But yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, I think that's true. Um, it, come back to this later but like yeah because when Reinhardt says you know we we really looked at both of your backgrounds and we couldn't find any blemish on your record something that like you know really stood out as a negative it's like but you know how much time he spends in a bar like you you send his checks yeah his checks there it's like that wasn't a tip-off like I mean like if yeah if I was offered two people you know, uh, a potential promotion, and they were both pretty much evenly qualified, but one of them certainly had the <laughs> spent enough time in a bar to be a functioning alcoholic. That would be a red flag. Yeah. It was yeah. the '80s. This was the decade of the three martini lunch, too. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. in Boston, yeah, but not that. the six beer day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe Cheers doesn't look enough like a cocaine bar, but <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> backtracking a little bit just to like the, the slideshow I liked that they they actually like rearranged the set there for a little bit because they pushed the pool table backwards they get this chair or a couch that Norman Cliff are sitting on that I don't think is in that set usually I'm trying to think they, I think there's there are times when they're sitting but I can't think if that couch is usually there or not I can't picture it I think it was the couch from Sam's office at least that's what I thought at the time I have to watch again oh yeah kind of looks like um, but anyway, they all gather around, and Frazier shows the slides of the pictures, which is great because we just get everybody's reaction, and like they're, we're playing it off that all of the pictures of the famous things around London and France and Italy, we don't. They, none of the pictures are actually good shots of those tourist occasions. It's all pictures of Diane. <laughs> often obscuring those shots, and they're like, and Sam is like, "Do you have any good shots of the places that look like the things?" And he's like, "Well, yeah, I'm sure I do." And he's like, "Click, slide, slide, slide." Oh, there's one. They're like, "Oh yeah, the whole group." Like, oh. It's like that's one finally. <laughs> so it was a brilliant reaction of everybody too. In that whole bit, it's, it, it reminded me of like driving through North Dakota when you've just been looking at nothing but scenery for hours and suddenly you see a billboard on the horizon and you just perk up. It's like, hooray! Civilization. It's also kind of a nice homage to Frazier's obsession with Diane, mm. that, that every picture that he took on that vacation was of her and not of any of the yes. things around them. Yeah. So, I would, Maggie, what did you think of the the way the the slideshow sort of devolves around Frazier's infatuation with her. And... 
You know, and I, I don't know if it's just because so much time has passed and there's been a lot more development of that character since that scene, certainly. It kind of seems like they might not have known exactly what they wanted to do with Frasier quite yet. Mm. I was watching it thinking, oh my god, get over it, dude. Like, move on. But I did really like the ending because it does devolve so quickly. <laughs> and then Diane has to, she runs off into the front bar and Fraser chases after her, and then Norm. Well, that was a thrill a minute. <laughs> <laughs> just, I thought that was very. I, I liked the subtle build-up when they're like, "So wait, where's Big Ben?" And there's something, and he's like, "Well, you can see the reflection in her glasses." Which oh yeah, hide the her eyes. Of the guard. If you look very closely. You can see them in the reflection of her sunglasses. <laughs> which hide her eyes. Which hide, which hide her, her emotions. emotions. <laughs> uh, and then the. That wall looks like the other wall, yes, but imagine that at the top of this wall is a clock. <laughs> I like any, exa- any of the prequel examples that show you why when Frasier has a breakdown in in his show, in Don Juan in Hell, that mm-hmm. that Diane in his breakdown is, is painting a picture of Sam. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. I left Sam too. God, that's such a good episode of Frasier. But in, even in this, like when he chases after Diane back out into the bar, and she's like, "Look, you you keep saying you're getting better. I've seen no evidence of this." Uh, and he's like, "You know, if you want to hit me over the head, that you know, or don't hit me over the head unless you want to." And she storms off. Where is your sense of humor? <laughs> that is such a Kelsey Grammer Frasier delivery of that kind of line. That that delivery style sticks with him all throughout mm-hmm. Frasier too mm-hmm. and when I hear it, except in this because he's a lot younger his voice gets higher and it cracks a little <laughs> bit which I think is really funny and kind of endearing and it, I love that character so much I love Frasier even in even in neonatal stage Frasier here that we've got in Jeers right right and yeah I, like I think this one this one skates by because I was feeling the same way as you. Like we we had gotten to that point with for a few episodes when I was just like, Okay, Frasier, you need to shut up about Diane. You need to mm-hmm. get over this. And again, the frustrating thing is like they had done that a couple of times, like for a few different episodes and they kept backtracking. Again, bring up the point Maggie, you said it, but this is the point that I've been making too, is I don't think they knew what they wanted to do with Frazier or they mm-hmm. needed to keep him, but they didn't know how or why. Like was his connection, was his friendship with Sam and the others enough to keep him going back to the bar? And I think like they they make they make strides with it. The fact that Sam is like, let's go let's go meet some women. I'll, I'll change and everything, and and that leads to like this great little set when they go out. Sam starts putting on his cologne and he yes. it on his hands, <laughs> and he slaps both of Frasier's cheeks, and you get this delayed reaction from Frasier, which beautiful acting by Kelsey Grammer, where yeah. he kind of like waits for the 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 scent the, to hit him, and he just like pinches his eyes like the brow of his nose or something like that. It's great. You really feel like, ooh, that stung. (laughs) That hurt. (laughs) Like, we have heard Diane talk about Sam's cologne, but to have Frasier react that way, he's like, oh, oh, whoa. What kind of cologne do you suppose Sam Malone wears? Would it be, if it's the 80s, would it be Aqua Velva? We we know it only costs about two fifty a bottle, two dollars right. and fifty cents a bottle. Filled a bottle of it a couple of episodes ago, and they wouldn't go into the. It's probably just rubbing alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it leads to a line that was almost almost my uh, my home run for this one is because when Sam is whisking him out the door, he's like, "Let me tell you how the night is going to go. We're going to meet some people." He's like, "You are going to see a beautiful woman across the room. She's going to be a hot." sexy, the woman you dream about. 
her friend is for you. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you see Kelsey the Grammar going along with it, the Tyler looks smiling, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what, this is the cause of being Sam's (laughs) wingman. He's like, I know, I I know where I am in this. (laughs) He's like, well, I pointed a gun in his face, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then we get the next guest star, uh, Mr. Reinhardt, who is played by Daniel Davis, this is one of those guys who's been in everything. Um, he was in one of my favorite movies, The Hunt for Red October. Uh, he was in the movie Prestige. Um, he was in an episode of Frasier. Uh, yeah. And then in uh, a couple episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, he played Professor Moriarty. I'm assuming those are holodeck episodes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, or are they? <laughs> no, no, they, they're they not. Yeah, they're... <laughs> it's in the nanny. He's in the nanny, yeah. I love I love jokes. I think it was like there's a Futurama one that was all about like it's like well we're we're safe in the holodeck as long as it doesn't break down and the and the holograms go homicidal and turn real. But that yeah. probably won't happen. <laughs> Cue John's rant. Why do you even have the ability to turn safety features off? You would have to program that. Yes. yes. But never mind. <laughs> well, the other the other Futurama thing when when you have robots going, why why was I programmed to feel pain? <laughs> <laughs> I ask that question in Star Wars all the time. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So he comes in and he he does have the line. It's like, oh, we know you spent a lot of time here. This is where we send your checks. And he sits down and. He talks about how close the like the race was, and if there was only just one little bit of information that would tip the scales. And you see George went like like physically like shambling in his seat, like kind of like he's like, oh, this is painful. I know this information. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> and then he he gets up and he's talking to uh, to Diane and Cliff about like whether or not he should say this and they're coaching him, at, which leads to my actual ho- home run line. So I'm going to say that one. Um, but when he finds fine. out, when he demands to know the reason, it's like, well, it was Vera. Vera didn't fit in with the other wives. They didn't just just didn't think she was up to to their class. So Norm gets disgusted and he quits. And the guy's like takes that very well. He's like, yeah, I get it. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that bit, and I, I, that one was also my almost my line too. Yeah. But but he, it was the lead up to it though with Diane, with uh, <laughs> Diane and Cliff. With the, no, 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 yes, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, and then so he he Norm like waddles back to his seat and everything, and he's just you know distraught and. They're like, well, what are you gonna? He's like, I have to call Vera and tell her that I didn't get the job, and and they're like, what are you gonna tell her? And, and they, I I think it was sort of, they did this unfair setup that he would tell her the truth because really they're like, why would you do that? That would just be hurtful. Um, but but he, I think he has to say that just for for the sake of Woody's line. He's like, I'll tell her the truth that she didn't pass muster. <laughs> Woody's well, maybe she just couldn't reach it. And that's like you see like Diane's face almost go like a gas like oh oh my god and she like pushes him to the other side of the bar and you just see him in the background going oh <laughs> she explains it I actually love that about that scene because yeah. it isn't just that she like 
tells him or takes him aside, she pushes him to the background, like <laughs> into the back behind the bar and tells him it's just, it's an interesting blocking to have them do it that way. I, and it, it makes it more comedic for some reason. Yeah, yeah. It was Very a nice trick from, from Jim Burroughs because in the foreground is Norm dialing the phone, but even that is out of focus. The mm-hmm. tension really is on the background because mm-hmm. they're on the other side of the bar and she's like telling him, explaining to this. And you just see him like smacking his forehead as he gets it. Yeah. Then Norm tells her, you know, that he's the loser and she's lucky to have, and he's lucky to have her. And <laughs> she is like, uh, and then he just kind of like explains, like, yeah, I've had a couple of beers, I think. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, two, two three? three? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a, another one of those bits where you get the question, but you you don't hear the question, but you get the answer in itself. Uh-huh. Um, and then he, yeah, he, he tells her how much he loves her, and then he hangs up, and Diane is moved. She's like, that was a wonderful thing. Um, and then he's like, all right, well, I'm, out of, I'm unemployed, so I got nowhere to be. Pour it, start pouring, Woody. <laughs> so. Okay. Over- Something else would come up. No, I'm unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, it could be an easily dismissed and easily forgotten episode. You know, it's not necessarily crucial to the whole life of the series, but had a lot of good character beats. Um, it was a nice way of, you know, semi-organically getting Sam out of the bar for the last half and just focusing on some of the other characters like Norm. And, and uh, yeah, I thought he, he this was a really good him episode, so... I would agree. I think it's nice when you've got an ensemble cast because then it means that you can take certain characters out and just focus on the other ones mm-hmm. and bounce different characters off one another and kind of mix and match a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's it's entertaining. You know, it's it's fun to see other character dynamics and how they work together, how they don't work together. And it's it's fun watching. I think Diane and Norm kind of playing off each other. It, I still that that Cliff and Diane. Yes, Norm. Yes, yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't think they would have done this, I don't think the showrunners would have had as much trust or faith in the supporting characters earlier on in the life right. of the show. Because mm-hmm. even when you had a Coach episode, or a Cliff episode, or a Carla episode, at the end of the day, it came down to a scene between Sam and Diane. You know, even if it was just like a one-minute scene, just to kind of like put a button on that episode. Um, and now they're at the point where they're like, yeah, the audience is with us, the characters and the actors are strong enough, we can give cliff the last line of this episode we can give norm the last scene to himself and let them really kind of chew it and that'll be that'll be the strength like we're now at the point where the supporting characters have proven their their worth and that they can they can handle that so that's nice yeah it's true sam and diane barely interact at all this entire episode Mm -hmm. hardly yeah um, for Norm's tab, I, I I gave him credit for four beers. That is counting the last one that he orders in his his last line of dialogue that he gets from from Woody. So that would be four, uh, which brings him up to three hundred and forty nine for the series up to this point. Um, wait, wait. Yeah, for the employee of the week, it was a Norm show. I thought Norm deserved it. So uh, Norm was my employee of the week. How about you guys? I'm gonna. I was gonna give it to Norm. Uh, I I gotta give it to Carla. Just because she had two of the best zingers of the whole show, and um, she did though, she right. did, yeah. and and just the, the it was the different ways of delivering them. You know, one is an insult to a 
to Cliff and the other's an insult to Norm. But it's the one to, to Cliff, she just kind of walks by and says it out like reflexively. This mm-hmm. is this is just what she does. But with Norm, it was she was aghast at the stupid thing that Norm said and had to correct him in, in such a Carlo way. Um, that's <laughs> probably my line, so we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, I was going to give it to Norm, too, because even though – I didn't like this whole bro code guys don't tell another guys crap that came up in this episode. I did really appreciate him standing up for his wife and saying, you know, if this if my wife isn't good enough for you, then I have I want nothing to do with this company. Because what an asinine thing to say, like your wife doesn't fit in with the other wives that that just makes my skin crawl in so many different directions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I really applauded Norm. Who does, and we, and we know because we've seen evidence of this in previous episodes, who does really truly love his wife. Um, and he did feel bad about, you know, losing his job, which means that Vera doesn't get the new house and that she wanted with a bathroom large enough so that if she fell, she wouldn't hit her head on anything. <laughs> uh, so I, I definitely would give would give it to Norm. Yeah, um, yeah for the home runs, uh, we teased it out. Um, there's this whole thing where Norm... Uh, has this information? He's like, I, I've got to tell you something, Mister Reinhardt. It's it's going to change your life. You, you, you really, you gotta have to brace yourself. You could be devastated. And then he starts to chicken out. He's like, Hang on, I got I need to get a cheese doodle. <laughs> and he goes back to the bar to like get that. He's like, Give me some. And that's when Diane is like, No, no, no. You cannot tell him. No, no, no. And Cliffy's like, Yes, 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 yes. You got to tell him that. And that's just all he hears. And Norm comes back, and Reinhardt has just this line. He's like, Who are those people? And why doesn't one of them? want you to have a cheese doodle <laughs> I, lo- I love that. i love that line because it, it shows that he like obviously they're talking loud enough that another person in the bar can hear what's going on and he'd be confused because he only has part of the context for this but i also it's just i i love it whenever cheers was willing to give the biggest laugh or the funniest moment to a guest actor to just like one of the mm-hmm. guests that we'll never see again and occasionally they, they did that and somehow those just like feel a little bit more special to me um so the fact that like that line completely caught me off guard i was watching it uh two nights ago and I, like when i got to that i like had to like pause it because i was laughing and like holding my sides that was a really really good moment so mm-hmm. uh maggie what was yours I know it's cliche, but I have to give it to Norm's opening line when he walks in the dog eat dog world and I'm wearing milk bone underwear. It's it, the way he delivers that line and the reaction from the audience. It's it's such a good line. Sam even laughs at it. Too, Sam laughs. Like. Yeah, it's it, it was just wonderful. It was so perfect. So I, I would give it to that to that line. That's that's definitely worthy. Yeah. Yep. There were a lot of candidates for that. I I almost chose the ones that you guys did. Um, I I had a couple of runner-ups uh, also with the oh my boss is here here. What does it smell like? <laughs> Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's right. I forgot that Milwaukee gets a shout out in this episode. Yeah. Carla's runner-up zinger, which was the after Cliff had said, it's a little known fact that forty-two percent of the deaths in America happen in the home. So are you? <laughs> yes. There are accidents in the home. Yeah. So are you. But the best line for me was uh, right after Norm is implying <laughs> stupidly some sort of level of competence and, and ambition that he has. And Carla aghast says, Norm, if you buns didn't fall asleep, you would never leave that bar stool. <laughs> I finally laughed both times I watched the show and I'm laughing at it now. So. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Yeah. 
It's just the way that Carla says buns. Buns, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, the actress wanted to say a different things. word, but they, yeah, in, in the 80s oh, yeah. they couldn't, yeah. So. Uh, all right, well, Maggie, John, thank you again for being my guest on this episode of Cheerscast. Where oh. else can our listeners hear you if they want to hear more from you? <laughs> well, <laughs> let's see. Usually on other people's shows lately. <laughs> These days, but, I was going to say, like, well, if you want to listen to us, you might have to wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no. Our, we do a couple of podcasts together, which we all brand together under the headline MWC Podcasts, which can stand for Married Watching Cartoons, Married with Comics, Maggie Wants Cookies, you know, whatever. I was going to try to do it like a machine wash only, but that doesn't end with Starbucks no. C, so something <laughs> like that, just just to allow for our various um, ADHD tendencies to kind of spout them out, you know, so we do that. And hobby hopping. Hobby hopping, yes, mm-hmm. and uh, Encyclopedia Browns, we'll have to come up with an MWC for that. Some, something that married um, with criminals right but the ter- if you look up mwc podcasts on your favorite podcatcher you'll find us or Mar- or any of the other terms we used we also uh, both appear on the longbox crusade network to do transformers chronicles uh with pat and delvin hi delvin and um, also do the Rod Pod for some other Transformers chronicling where we cover the IDW Transformers uh, comics in order or phase two comics in order. We should really get to recording one it's of those. one thing at a time. Okay. <laughs> and then um, we're also on the Twitterverse. That's true. I am at MWC underscore podcast. And I am at Maggie and the Rain. Very cool, very cool. Well, thanks again for being my guests, and thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and leaving a comment on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford Wright from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents and Monday Movie Muckabout, who sponsor the show. For more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Let me uh, tell you how this evening's going to go here. Now, we're going to probably walk into some really nice little spot there. You're going to see a, a beautiful woman across the room. I mean, hot, sexy, a woman you dream about. Right now, her friend is for you. Yeah.